The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwatchwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right, Russ, just, just imagine for a second, someone refers to you as the world's most productive person. What's your next thought? Man, I have significantly changed everything about myself. Ooh, that's what our guest today, Craig Ballantyne, is called by the influencers, our mentor himself. I mean, this is the guy that we get to interview today. Well, you know, one of our mentors says that amateurs automate for efficiencies and experts automate for perfection. And the only way that you make something perfect, right, going back to our old athletic days, is you practice perfectly. And if you're wanting to become financially free, but you don't feel like you have enough time in the day to do it, like today's episode is totally for you. That's right. If you're the one finding yourself waking up in the middle of the night with these cold sweats, like there's so many things that I have to get done, but they never seem to get done. This is your episode. If you feel like you say yes to every single thing, Craig, Ballantyne, our guest today, tells you that you need to become a Nopra. <laughs> and you'll see exactly why he says that, because we really have to, we have to create time. We have to make time, not create time. We have to just make time. And that means that we have to change and create key rituals in our life. And that just requires us to plan and prepare better. And I know that I've failed in this world, Joey. I, I'm excited that this episode is giving us the ability to launch into 2024 with a plan, a process to follow so that we can start changing those little areas in our life so that we can get back more of what we want. Absolutely. All of the great insights and opportunities that Craig talks about in this episode, you can find at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash Craig. And this episode deletes all of your excuses that 2024 is not the year that you become financially free. Let's dive in right now with Craig Ballantyne. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, so excited to introduce to you our new friend, Craig Ballantyne in the house. Craig, so glad to have you. Hey, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Craig. Whenever someone's trying to figure out how to become financially free, they have to either trade time to get the money or they've already traded the time to get money. 
your space is helping people understand how to be better at thinking through their time. But before we get into that, I would love for the audience who hasn't followed you online, have not been reading your blogs on Early to Rise or your podcast or one of your three books, would you share just a little bit about where you got to and, and where you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on a farm in Canada, a small town outside of Toronto. Grew up playing hockey, drinking beer, drinking beer, playing hockey. Doesn't matter which way, uh, which order you go in up in Canada. And I wanted to play in the NHL, uh, quickly found out I couldn't. So I, I wanted to be in high school and college, a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League, which in, in the late 90s was starting to become a thing. So I went through all the schooling for that and realized I'm more of an introverted type person. I'm much more comfortable behind the computer writing stuff. And so I switched to writing more about workout programs and stuff. And I got into Men's Health Magazine in 2000 when I was still a graduate student. And I started, I, I sold my first program online January 28th, 2001. And I sold a Word document, not even a PDF, a Word document through PayPal to somebody that found me on the Men's Health website. And that was like this, you know, the first time anybody, you know, makes some passive income or, you know, has a sale online. They just like their head kind of explodes and goes, wow, this is actually possible. And then I went on and kind of, you know, matured my business and turned it into something that sold hundreds of thousands of copies of fitness programs. And then we got into videos, you know, I have had videos online um, on YouTube since 2007, you know, the first year it came out and have millions of views there. I quit, quit doing the fitness industry in 2015 because I was kind of bored of it. And also people were asking me, how do you get so much done? Because I had a couple of businesses and I was putting out content on all of them. And they were like, I don't know how you get this done. You're like the world's most productive person. So I started writing and coaching on that stuff and wrote the first book perfect day formula in 2015 and then unstoppable because i had really bad anxiety attacks in 2006 you know i just like drank myself into anxiety and stuff like that so it's, it's not like i have any epic story i was more of a, a dummy and uh, had these dummy anxiety attacks but I, I talk about how to overcome stress and anxiety which is all the tools are really valuable in that book and then finally the perfect week formula which is the best book of all and it's really the most comprehensive into how to make more time so that you know, the folks listening, the busy men and women listening can make the time to study the deals or the opportunities that Wealth Without Wall Street will put out there because, you know, between your podcasts and your newsletters, there's a lot of content and people probably go, I don't have the time for this. And then, you know, in a year from now, they still don't have the time and they haven't made that progress. And that, you know, somebody like me and, and, and you gentlemen, you guys are really keen on helping other people and to know that time is the barrier is really frustrating because the information is there. So that's what I talk about. And I just have kind of become obsessed with controlling time and, and earning freedom. So that's where I am today. And that's how I got here. So Craig, talk about what was it that made you like, put you in a position to maximize your time? Like something must've gotten you to the point where you're like, Hey, I need to learn these hacks because blank like what was it for you yeah that's a great question um so uh, there's a, there's a very deep and i wouldn't say dark but uh kind of like uncomfortable psychology behind why i'm i'm so ruthless with time and, and it was because my father was an alcoholic and from what i've read is that children of alcoholics aim to control things because they have no control over the environment in which they're raised i don't know if that's true or not i, I read it one time and i don't know if it's like somebody else's theory or something 
but so I, so I've always been organizing things and, and, you know, even in my workouts, you know, very organized with the designing workouts and stuff. And I like order in my life. And so when I got done school, I had to become a personal trainer because I didn't know how to make my online business work. And I didn't like being a personal trainer because I'm an introverted type person. And then there's some people who love going in the gym and they can just chat all day with these folks and God bless them. I'm not meant to do that. Like every, every, uh, I had a five minute break. I'd be like writing a, trying to write an article on my Blackberry in the trainer's room before my next client came in and it exhausted me. And so I'm like, I have to break out of this because I was exhausted by the end of the day and I'm running around Toronto uh, where I was the personal trainer and, and I trained the richest people in Canada. I've literally trained Canada's richest man and they're wonderful people. And I learned a lot from them, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So here I go back to the time, how on earth when I, I get up, at, I already get up at 10 to five in the morning to catch the bus from the West end of Toronto into downtown Toronto. And then I walk this uh, young street in Toronto in the, in the winter time, it's like this tunnel of icy wind into your face. And then I'm freezing by the time I get to the gym. And then from six until 11 and back to back. And then from 11 till three, I want to do my own workout. And then from three until seven, I had to train generally the kids of these um, wealthy families. And I was just exhausted. So there's a, a great phrase by this woman named Alice Monroe who wrote, who has a Nobel prize in literature. And she's a short story writer. And she wrote while she had three young kids and was a single mom and lived above the library that she worked at, or not the library, the bookstore. And she said, you have to work in the slivers of time. And I think that's so brilliant. And so for me, um, I would I would uh, ride the subway home because the, the subway didn't work uh, or wasn't running at five o'clock in the morning. It didn't start till six. So I had to take the bus. But on the way home, I could take the subway and be faster. But I'd be standing there in a packed subway working on my BlackBerry in the slivers of time. I was writing articles, writing workout programs for my online business. And so, first of all, that's one thing that everybody can do. You know, like when you drive to the office, if you know, you you listen to Wealth Without Wall Street, you know, you have your university on wheels. If you have an hour long lunch break, don't waste it. You know, go in to some restaurant with people and gossiping. You know, make sure that you're using that time to go through content or to study deals. I have friends in your industry, in the real estate investment world and passive income world, who got up an extra fifteen to thirty minutes earlier every single day and studied deals and, you know, it took them 10 years to become passive income millionaires, but you know, that's how you do it. And so for me personally, I went from getting up at 10 to five to getting up at 4.30 AM. And I was, you know, I was in my mid twenties at the time. So nobody in their mid twenties wants to get up at 4.30 in the morning. You want to stay out till 4.30 in the morning, but I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and I was working 20 minutes on my online business. And I know most people think, what can you possibly get done in 20 minutes? Well, I could actually write an article or an email to my newsletter list and I could promote my products or I could write a new product or a new workout or a portion of it. And I was constantly using that 20 minutes because it was the best time of day for me. You, you, according to Stephen Pink, who's written a couple books, um, including When, The Scientifically Perfect Time to Do Everything, he says we have the greatest discipline, willpower, and intention first thing in the morning. And no matter how resistant somebody is to the morning, it's generally true. And a lot of people want to do long morning routines or workout or whatever, and that's good. But if you can do those things some other time, it's very, you know, it's helpful for you to use the first hour in the morning to work on the most important task, to eat the frog, as Mark Twain said. Mark Twain has this great, had this great quote. 
Um, if your job is to eat a frog, best thing to do is eat it first thing in the morning. If your job is to eat two frogs, best thing to do is eat the biggest frog first. Now, what he means by that is if you, you know, we all have hard projects and there's a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's doing your taxes or whether it's um, sitting down and crunching numbers on a deal or what, or writing sales copy for a product or service that you want to provide, it sucks. It's hard. And, you know, you'll find anything else to do, but that's the most important thing you have to do. And so you should do it first thing in the morning because everything becomes infinitely harder as the day goes on. You know, the kids get sick at school. One of them is vomiting. You have to go pick them up. They vomit all over you. Now you got to clean the car, this, that, and the other thing. And the next thing you know, it's nine o'clock at night and you're sitting in front of the TV and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll do the thing tomorrow. And if, if there's not a deadline, like your taxes have a deadline, but if there's not a deadline on stuff like, you know, crunching a deal or, you know, starting up what one of the deal, one of the passive income streams that you guys talked about, you know, it'll just never get done, never get done. And so you have to do it first thing in the morning. You have to make time for it first thing in the morning. You have to plan and prepare the night before so that you're prepared to do it. And then that's the way that you're going to get ahead in life. It We've said something similar, not nearly as eloquent at Craig one, because we're rednecks from Alabama, but we talk about having that five to nine, right? Like that mm -hmm. time after a lot of times people um, say, I work a nine to five and they go home and they work five to nine, but maybe uh, that five to nine is not in the evening. It's in the, it's before you start and it is taking advantage of that. So making time is so important for the things that's, that are uh, important for us. If that's number one, well, how do you how do you make that a ritual? How do you ensure that you do that? Everything comes down to planning and preparation. And so, if somebody wants to exercise, and they haven't, you know, they're not a regular exerciser, well, they need to plan and prepare. And there's a great book by Chip and Dan Heath called Switch, and it's about habit change. And they use the analogy of if, when you want to change a habit, it's like riding an elephant. And you know, if you're riding an elephant on a path and there's a lot of obstacles in the way. It's going to be very difficult to, to ride the elephant. So you have to remove the obstacles and you do that through planning and preparation. So a lot of people do their to-do list first thing in the morning. Well, if you're doing your to-do list first thing in the morning, you're using the time of day when you have the greatest discipline, willpower, and intention. That's the wrong time of day. You're already too late. You need to have done your to-do list in the afternoon. And so we have these, I teach this three-step process in my books and in my um, courses to do at some point in the afternoon so that you're ready for tomorrow. So let's say somebody's listening to this at you know twelve o'clock on, uh, on their lunch break, and they're like, okay, around three o'clock, um, once I get this major project done at work, I'm going to plan my day tomorrow. And the, the three steps that they would do then is they would do something called a brain dump. Now, when you look at tomorrow, you've got a million things that you have to do. You have to do these meetings, you have to do these calls, you want to listen to another podcast from you guys. You you know you have to run and get milk, you have to go to the gym, you have to pick the kids up, all those things, right? So you brain dump everything that you have to do tomorrow onto a scrap piece of paper. The next thing you do is you prioritize your to-do list because you might have 18 things on that to-do list, but only one of them can be number one and one of them has to be number one. And then you prioritize them and so on and so forth. There's a great story by Andrew, uh, about Andrew Carnegie and some guy whose last name was Lee. I can't remember. So, he hired, so Carnegie hires this guy named Lee to help him get more done. Ivy Lee tells him to just list his priorities of what he's supposed to do the next day. What's the number one most important thing you're supposed to do tomorrow, Mr. Carnegie? What's the number two, number three, number four, number five? And, you know, he, he, he lists them. And then, in, and then Ivy Lee says to him, okay, you can't do number two until number one's done. And number, you can't do number three until number two's done. And Carnegie goes, wow. I, I, I guess he said, wow. Anyways, Carnegie, 
Ivy Lee said, don't, um, you, you only, you just pay me what you think this advice is worth before he gave him the advice. And I guess Carnegie gave him $25,000 because he thought the, the information was so valuable. And it's kind of like obvious to you and I, but, um, nowadays, but doing the priority to-do list this afternoon for tomorrow must be done. And then there's a third step, uh, that I call a little bit of process planning. We want to make the path to success as smooth as possible. We want to get all the obstacles out of the way. And we also want to grease the groove and we want to get our subconscious mind working because I truly believe that your subconscious mind will solve your problems overnight if you give it a problem to work on. So let's say that um, somebody listening to this goes, okay, I did my brain dump. I did my uh, priority to-do list. My top priority is that I have to build a PowerPoint deck for a sales pitch for XYZ ABC. Okay, great. Well, I could get up in the morning and I could sit down on my computer and open up PowerPoint and go, hmm, what should the first slide be? Because I'm a book writer and what I've done in the past is I go, okay, tomorrow morning I have to write chapter two. That's my number one priority. And I get up and I open the computer and there's a blank screen sitting at me. I go, hmm, what should I write for chapter two? And after enough times of doing that, I realized, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to like write down a couple of bullet points the night before couple of bullet points on chapter two. And when I wake up in the morning, it'll be easier for me to write. So instead of having to write 1500 words on a blank page, I only have to write 300 words for five different prompts. And I would wake up the next morning and I could write 1500 words of 45 minutes or, or an hour, which is like lightning fast. And when I started doing that process planning, all the, all the, the work in the morning became so much easier to do. So that PowerPoint person, they would be like, okay, I, I, you know, here are the three major things I need to cover in the presentation, or here's like the first three slides should be this, this, and this, or like, here's the opener, or here's, you know, th these pictures need to be on. Just like anything that gives their brain a little bit of subconscious nudging overnight so that it does some work. And when you wake up and you go to do it in the morning, it's actually easier. And, and I truly believe that this is, it's a real thing. It really, really will help you. So you do the, that three steps, the brain dump, the priority to-do list, the process planning, you do that any time in the afternoon, the day before, and your next morning is going to be super successful. You're going to, you're just going to be going, wow, I got like hours worth of work done in an hour here because I was so focused and I was so prepared. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system. Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. That's really interesting that you're talking about the day before. I was fully expecting you to say, you know what? Every morning you wake up, you... You get out of bed with your right foot first and you drink a whole glass of water and then you go to the bathroom and then you like, I thought that's where we're going. And you went the day before so that you're, you're literally waking up ready to attack whatever it was that you did. What other key rituals would you say are necessary for somebody to make the most of that time? Again, thinking that five to nine, thinking those are the critical hours where you buy back 
the nine to five, mm-hmm. right? In, in our world, Wealth Without Wall Street, the person listening right now is saying, I have to, just like you were like, I have to stop being this personal trainer who doesn't want to be interacting with people all day long. I have to get out from under this. How do I do it? They're, they have the same question, but they have to use that five to nine so critically to make sure that they get out of it. What other rituals do you recommend? Yeah, great question. And, and I will say one, th- one thing before I answer that, that it's not about the hour that you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. So the principles that I am speaking about work just as well if, if you're a night owl and you're going to do your work at 10 o'clock at night. I have a friend who built a supplement company to $100 million a year working from 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. Because what he had was the same thing that I had at 4 a.m. when I wake up and start working. He had, no dist- he had very few distractions and he had utter focus and he was planned and prepared. So anybody listening, you don't have to join the 5 a.m. club to be successful. You, you don't have to do the work at this time or that time. But what you have to do is be planned and prepared. So this is very, you know, everything I said before, you got to do it no matter what time you're working the next day. The, the other thing that people need to do in terms of rituals and routines is still on the day before. It's, uh, it's the nighttime routine. And what we see in, you know, the general population is that most people do not have the time to get ahead because they do not get up on time. And why do you, why does someone not get up on time? Well, they don't go to bed on time. And I know that I have a personal experience. I didn't go to bed on time for years when I was a younger person. I remember, you know, there'd be nights, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 11, 30, when I had to get up at five in the morning and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe it's so late. Tomorrow night, I'm going to go to bed at like eight o'clock. And then the next night comes around and it's 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And you're like, oh my God, I want to, uh, And of course, it's a struggle to get out of bed the next day and you don't get anything done. So the ritual and routine that everybody needs to implement, and I call this like a keystone, keystone habit. If you can get to bed on time, if you can get to bed on time, that sets you up for so much more success in life than somebody who's up an hour, an hour and a half, two hours late. And because they're, that person is going to get up and they're going to be super tired. They're going to over-caffeinate. They're going to rush and grab poor food. They're going to be cranky all day. They're going to snap at their family, which means they're going to have arguments with their family, which is going to suck their time away and so on and so forth. <clears throat> the person who gets up on time because they went to bed on time the night before has already won the day, you know, unless they totally screw it up with some unforced error. So what we do is we use something called a reverse alarm the night before. So let's say, you know, Russ wants to get to bed at 10 o'clock and he's struggling with this. So what he does is he sets an alarm for nine o'clock. The alarm goes off on his phone. As soon as that alarm goes off, you got to turn off every electronic device in your house. So, you know, no phones, no laptops, no TVs, nothing, nothing to entertain you, right? You can keep the lights on, but you can't have any other electronic devices on. What that then allows, it then forces you to do what I call old school activities. So, you know, you can take a shower, you can uh, do meditation, you can make your lunch, you can talk to your kids, talk to your spouse, read a book. You know, you can do all these things. And most of these things help you wind down and fall asleep, especially if you read a book. It's like a sleeping pill. And so you get to bed on time because you shut off the electronics an hour before bed because it's always, always the last thing you check on your phone, that last email, that last social media post, that last Twitter 
uh, rant from somebody that just gets you fired up. And the next thing you know, you're up an hour past your bedtime, you know, thinking of really witty responses to some stranger on the internet <laughs> and, and it ruins the next day for you. So that reverse alarm an hour before bed ensures that you get to bed on time and ensures you get up in the morning on time. And I would just say the last thing on this, it's, it's a mindset shift to like almost treating yourself as, well, not almost, but you are treating yourself like a professional athlete. A professional athlete knows the, the importance of recovery, knows the importance of sleep, knows the importance to get to bed on time. And if you're in it for the long haul, you know, not somebody who's just going to rely on talent and burn up for a bit. If you're in it for the long haul, you get into these rituals and routines that, that give your mind and, and body recovery so that you can be a high performer the next day. And it starts with the sleep patterns. So that's the other thing that people need to do, which most people don't think of, but it is a keystone habit in your success. I feel like, man, Joey, I've already conquered this. So I have our health coach that texts me every night at nine o'clock, every single night that says, turn off all blue light devices. Yeah. Um, and then at 945, I get a text that, uh, that says, go to sleep. Because it yeah. is, you have to work backwards, right? You have to figure out what time are you going to work? If you're in the banking world and you go to work at 9 a.m., then you can figure out how much time you need in the morning and you just work backwards to figure out, okay, I need this many hours sleep. That means I need to get to bed this time so that I can be fresh and ready to accomplish the thing. Yeah, 100%. And, it's reverse engineering everything. You you were kind of talking about things that we need to say yes and no to, right? And I know in your uh, one of your books, the, the Perfect Day Formula, you talked a lot about that. I, I'd love for you to just share a couple of examples of things that you've seen personally, as well as in, in some of your coaching students, things that they had to say no to that really were the difference makers uh, and the results that they received in the time and other areas that they were trying to get. Yeah. So I, I use the phrase, you need to become the NOPRA of your life because of all the people in the world, maybe not now, but you know, at, at the height of her popularity, she's probably one of the most popular people in the world, you know, Oprah Winfrey. And everybody wanted, everybody who was a fan of Oprah Winfrey, you know, a billion, easily a billion people in this world, want, you know, wanted a minute of her time, right? They, can I just ask you one question? So, so here's this woman who, you know, let's assume that she just wants to help people. Well, a billion people want a minute of your time. It's going to be very difficult for you to say no to them. But in order for her to actually help a billion people, she has to say no to every single person individually so that she can go and do the great things and provide the great content that will help everybody. And so all of us have these opportunities, you know, people asking for a minute of a time to meet for coffee, to do this, that, or the other thing. Hey, will you watch this video? Um, will you listen to this, you know, audio uh, note that I made because I was too lazy to edit my thoughts into a, a mess, a typed out message. So I'm going to waste 10 minutes of your time with an audio note. Like, you know, everybody gets these audio notes where people ramble all the time. Right. And so like yesterday, somebody sent me a two minute audio note and I just wrote back, I'm not listening to this, type out your reply. Like they, they wanted free help from me on Instagram and I'm happy to help some people because I can answer, you know, I'm in the back of an Uber or something. I'll answer some questions from time to time, but I'm not listening to your rambling audio note. So you, everybody has to have parameters around what they will and will not do. And you also have to understand that every minute that I give to a person to listen to their rambling audio note steals a minute of time that I could be playing with stuffed animals with my daughter, right? Every single minute that you give to something steals it from something else. So you first actually have to go way back and do the big picture of your life, which is what really matters to you. 
what really matters to you? Well, everyone's going to say my family and my health and, you know, making sure that we have a good, you know, we're, you know, we're making the money and the income so that our family's taken care of. Okay. Well, let's take a look at what you actually do in the day. Well, you know, you're goofing around on fantasy football and, and this, that, and the other thing. You're arguing with somebody on the internet. Uh, you're reading, you know, 10 different email newsletters from these people who you're not purchasing anything from and you're not doing anything with their information. You're just reading their information and you're watching these TV shows. Like it, it doesn't line up. There's a misalignment between what you say you want to achieve in life and what your actions show you. You know, like, hey, this is not lining up here. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing I saw when I was a personal trainer. Mrs. Jones would come in and say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. I go, great, Mrs. Jones, show me what you eat. And you know, they were not aligned. And that's why you were not getting the goals or achieving the results that you wanted. So in order for you to figure out what you say yes and no to, you got to know what matters. And then you got to build parameters around that. Years ago, when I, I was a road warrior, I was on the road all the time going to events and this, that, or the other thing. And I, and I would use this I would say in my mind, oh, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to, you know, never know the connection. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd speak, I'd get a speaking gig for like 2,500 bucks. Go, great, 2,500 bucks. I got to fly down from Toronto to Austin, go to this seminar, uh, speak for an hour. I'm going to get paid 2,500 bucks and then fly back, you know, the next day. Maybe I'd spend an extra day there. And then after a couple of times of doing stuff like that, I went, dummy, you're getting like minimum wage for, for doing this, for this, you know, you're doing preparation in advance for the presentation. You're flying to Austin and yeah, you can work on the plane, but it's not focused work. Even though I was, I was, I had a lot of rituals and routines to work in airports and airplanes. It wasn't focused work. And then you kind of wander around, you waste a day at this event, maybe going to some other bad presentations. And then, you know, you, you get back and you're tired and it's like, if you actually do the calculations, you made minimum wage for all the hours that you were away. And then I switched my parameters to like, I'm not speaking at any event unless people paid me $25,000 or, and I, I got a whole lot more no's, but if I ever did get a yes, it was worth it because now I had these parameters. So at the end of the day, you have to figure out what your values and vision are for your life and then build the parameters around saying yes or no, yes and no, or, you know, like go, no go decision-making for based on parameters so that you don't really have to think about it. And when somebody's request comes in, you look at it and you go, hmm, no, that doesn't fit my parameters and away I go. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is that one of my coaching clients is a faith-based nutrition expert. And she has a couple of, um, you know, Christian leaders and stuff that she follows. And she sent an email to one of them. I think the woman's name was Beth Moore. And Beth Moore is based down in Texas somewhere. And it was a question to Beth's customer service or something. And the answer she got back was, I'm sorry, Beth is unavailable to answer this question because she's busy doing God's work. And I was like, that's the greatest answer in the, in the history of ever for saying no to somebody because how can you argue with it? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm too busy to answer your question because I'm busy doing God's work. So I thought that was, I thought that was just great. But uh, again, become the nopra of your life. Understand what really matters to you. Don't let other people steal your time that is stealing from your family and from your your health or whatever it is that are your that are your real goals, um, and you kind of have to be ruthless with it. And it it takes a little bit of practice to say no because you think you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, or you think you might miss out on something. But again, it, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, even though that no is not verbal. And I, I'm going to put that in my in my res, uh, voicemail response right now. Okay. It says. You've reached me uh, and I'm unavailable. I return calls for an hour, 11 and 12 and four and five. 
I'm just going to say, I'm doing God's work. Get back to you when I can. Um, <laughs> when God, when God's done with me. Yeah. When, when God has finished using me, um, I'll, I'll, I'll reach back out. That's an amazing, amazing way to think about it. And, and this, everything you're talking about, and I've read this, does it apply just to one area of life, right? It's applying to personal, it's social, wealth, your personal enrichment. All of these things can apply in different areas. But you also say that you can't have you know, a bunch of different goals. You've got to narrow it down. True. When I was younger, I, I remember probably like 15 years ago, I had, I was, uh, it was around this time of year and I was looking through my goals for the next year and it must've been three pages long, 10 point font of all the things I wanted to do in 2007. And I, 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 you know, at the end of 2007, I must've reviewed it. And I got, I had like seven things accomplished and they were, you know, some of them were big and I was like, man, I feel like a failure. And, and it's ridiculous to even tell this story now because it's like, well, duh, what did you think you were going to be able to accomplish 356, you know, big things in, in a year? It's like, it doesn't make sense. But a lot of us do that. A lot of us, uh, we go, we go to the goal, uh, setting buffet with, you know, eyes bigger than our plates. And we, you know, like when you go to a Vegas buffet and you load stuff up and you don't really enjoy it or you don't really even get to all this stuff. And so at the end of the day, my mentor, a guy named Mark Ford, who to make things more confusing, wrote all of his books under the name Michael Masterson, including a book called Ready, Fire, Aim, which is one of the top five business books uh, from a lot of that a lot of people will, uh, you know, who have a list will say. So Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson. But Mark Ford is his real name. And he said, you should really only have four goals. One major goal for your health, your wealth, your personal self, and uh, your personal enrichment and your social self. So health, wealth, personal enrichment, and social self. So personal enrichment is stuff like charity, you know, getting involved in charities and stuff like that. Social self is obviously the social side of your life. It could be like learning to salsa dance or whatever. Health, you know, you want to gain muscle, you want to lose weight, you want to get your blood pressure uh, down, whatever it is. And then wealth is, uh, you know, you want to build your passive income, the 10K, 20K, 30K a month sort of thing. So having one of those is then like having four bullseyes. You know, you have, you have, you think of like an archery uh, place and you have four bullseyes and you're aiming for that bullseye. But if you have on the health thing, you have 19 different health goals, then in each one of the rings around it, what are you going to aim for, right? And the, the cool thing is, is when you have one major goal and you achieve it, that then really satisfies many of your other goals or many of the other things that you're chasing in life. So just narrowing it down, I encourage people to say no to having too many goals, really focus on what matters, and then building your main goals for those uh, four key areas around that. And then just stay focused, stay focused. And if you will accomplish more this way. It's kind of like um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, uh, as the Navy SEALs say, right? If you're trying to, to move too quickly, you'll drop the bullet. Um, but if you move smoothly, you'll do it successfully and, and that's fast. So it's the same with when you are super focused, even though it seems like you, and, and you're going after less, you'll actually accomplish more in the long run because you'll have more progress every year on those major goals. So it's, it's a little bit of contrarian thinking, um, counterintuitive, I suppose, 
but that's the way to, that I switched my life and, and it's turned out a lot better. I feel a lot less regret at the end of the year that I didn't accomplish 356 things when I only got seven things done. But now when I get three of the four things done, I'm pretty darn happy because they're also very, very uh, influential in my life. Oh, Craig, uh, if nothing else from today's uh, podcast, I have at least adopted one goal for this year. And that is every time Russ... Uh, sends me a voice memo, I will send it back to him and say, type this crap out. I'm not listening to your rant any further. Um, so very, very appreciative that you've given me the license to do that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's so much value, so much gold in what you had to say today. Um, Craig, tell us uh, where people can connect with you. What would be the best way for them to, to get access to you? Yeah. So if if you found this helpful and you would like to get a little bit more information, I have a, a book, the most comprehensive book I've ever written is Perfect Week Formula, which will give everybody an extra 10 hours per week. And what you do with that 10 hours, whether you pour it into investing or whether you pour it back into building your business or you know spending time with your family or improving your health, you can do whatever you want with it, but it'll really, really help you. And that's perfectweekformula.com. If people have specific questions, they can send them to me in non-voice note format on Instagram at real Craig Valentine or type out your emails and send them to me at Craig at Craig Valentine. I'm happy to answer that. Craig, thank you so much for coming on this uh, pleasure for Joey and I, and we, we've been going through some of your stuff, but it's just the motivation we have as we enter 2024 is, is to get more of our time back and using tools, using strategies that are proven that we don't have to spend the energy trying to think them up, right? You've done that and you've done it so successfully. You've helped so many entrepreneurs. You've helped a lot of friends of ours, people that we look up to as mentors have said, you're the go-to person. And by the way, if you're trying to figure out all those uh, call to actions Craig just gave you, Joey and I made it simpler for you too. You can go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash Craig. And we'll make sure all of the things that Craig was listing is available to you there. So thank you for listening. Hope you have an amazing day and hope you have it a better and more efficient 2024. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.